Welcome to Hidden Park, the podcast. This is episode 21. That's a special, special, special number. Our podcast uh, is legal drinking age now. <laughs> the podcast can drink legally. Um, so today we, uh, we have, we're shining light on two different things. But, you know, to do that, we brought our, a special, 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 special guest with us. Uh, he's an expert in many fields. Uh, he's my older brother. So we're blessed that this is my first, uh, my first uh, uh, family member that has been on the podcast. Uh, he's my older brother, and uh, he's currently in med school. But before, you know, I, I can boast about him all day, but let's have uh, him do the introduction. So without further ado, Sagar Batish. Thank you, Ronak. Thank you. Thank you, Ditmar, as I always hear you be referred <laughs> No one calls me Anthony, so it's all good. <laughs> always dip more no i'm definitely happy to be on the show definitely not an expert in just about anything I'm just a first year medical student so not not even an expert in that field just yet maybe in i guess like seven seven eight years something like that but yeah just born and born in new york but lived most of my life in the chicago area went to school in Northwestern for undergrad, now Northwestern for medical school as well. So really just Chicago. How long were you, how old were you when you moved from New York to Chicago? I think I was three years old. Do so, you remember anything from here, like at all? No, but in Chicago. since all my cousins and stuff, all my family is still in New Jersey, New York area, been visiting them like constantly throughout my whole life. Every Every summer break, every like winter break, you know, random long weekends. Used to drive over there, twelve-hour drive. So, have plenty of memories of it, but never, never from I guess living there permanently. So I always refer. I was. It's funny you say the Ditmar thing because I always heard you as Sugar British because one of our friends like four years ago called saw your name pop up real quick and he called you Sugar British. So whenever Ronak like refers to you, it's always Sugar British. So it's funny to finally put a name to the face. It's not. It's it's funny. It was it was an illiterate friend of ours uh, who couldn't read. So when he saw Saga Batish, he said, "Sugar British." <laughs> Wait, knowing both, I have a question. Do you prefer Chicago deep dish pizza or do you prefer New York pizza or like New York, New Jersey? Uh, I think I would have to go New York. I'm a big pizza guy, so I like I would like it like constantly, and Chicago deep dish. I, you can't have that like every single day or for multiple meals. It's like, unless you're like, you know, Ronak or Tim. <laughs> Other than those like, two, nah, I can't do it. Is it like, it's very heavy, right? Like I've never had it personally, but it's, I heard it's like soupish or it's just like heavy in your stomach. Yeah, there's, it shouldn't even be called pizza. It's literally like, like three inches of just, cheese sauce toppings on top of like a huge crust that's why everywhere you get it it takes i think they say like it's a 45 minute wait time after you order because it's so thick that's how long it takes like in the oven it's ridiculous i'm gonna take me so i never tried a uh, deep dish i always tell them to take me to chicago because you know, i've never been i've been to like a lot of major cities but i've never been to chicago so it's that's next in the bucket list bro we'll go the thing about it is uh you were asking about like heavy bro it's the the minimum slice we looked it up when we were there last time the plain slice is 800 calories so any 
additions on that, you're just adding on each slice rose 800 calories. <laughs> so it's pretty wild. But of course, Chicago is the city. Um, Sagas in Chicago. I have a different love for Chicago and Illinois because that's where I'm from. So uh, he's from Brooklyn. I'm from Bourbonnais. So uh, I wanted to shine light on an issue that's been going around in the world. And I said, what better person to ask than Sagar Batish, you know, who lives on the farm? So uh, if, you can g- <laughs> if you can give us a little bit of a background, because our listeners, most of our listeners, whoever's listening, the three listeners, they definitely don't know what's happening in Punjab and in India as a whole uh, and agriculture in India. So if you can give us a little bit of a background and we can shine some light on the issue that's happening, uh, we'd really appreciate that at Hidden Park, the podcast. Dang, well, I'll try my best from the there's protests going on right now, right? Like, as there's a lot world's yeah. biggest protest ever. I heard other countries are joining in too. Like, it's crazy. I don't know anything about it though, so I'd like to know myself what's going on. So I didn't really do enough research on it myself. Yeah. So generally, the way that agriculture works in India is that most of the farms, I think over ninety percent, are very small-time farmers that just have maybe like a few acres or maybe only 50 acres, which sounds like a lot to us when we talk about land, 50 acres, but to farmers, like being from the Midwest, it's absolutely nothing. Like the smallest farms here have hundreds and hundreds of acres. If not, like you're gonna go into like the thousands. So to only have less than a hundred acres for these farmers are really small time farmers and generally they grow their crop and they all grow very similar crops you know same similar region there's only certain crops that are the best for that region and to limit that kind of like competition and things the government ensures a minimum price every year for their crop how much per like kilogram of wheat or rice whatever they're growing and the government ensures that they get that minimum price at least when they take it to market. Or they can, of course, make their own deals and stuff, but that they have that guarantee in place just for security reasons. Um, because a lot of these farmers are also illiterate. They have never really, uh, never had any like formal education and never really done much business. So all, all they kind of grow up knowing is, you know, how to, how to grow their crops and how to be phenomenal farmers. But having this guarantee in place for so many years has kind of created the system where they just focus on growing their crops, they harvest their crops, and then they kind of, the government is that middleman that buys it from the farmers and then distributes it or sells it to, you know, the larger corporations that can, you know, use it for processing and all these different things. So Modi, who is the prime minister, is passing three new bills. And uh, I, I, I don't know enough to go into the details of the individual bills, but the main cause of the protests are because that guaranteed minimum price is being taken away. And the, like, the reasoning behind it is supposedly for like pro-farmers or to help them earn more money for their crop by allowing them to, instead of just settling for this minimum, they get to take their crop to these corporations and can negotiate their own price. This is how 
the bill was kind of like passed and kind of gained favor when it was discussed in Congress and different things. However, you know, these, you're taught now these farmers are going to have to deal directly with these huge multi-billion dollar corporations. And these are farmers that many of them are already in debt. They have the highest suicide rate out of any occupation in India. And one of the highest suicide rates out of any occupation like in the entire world because of uh, how much debt they already have, even with that guaranteed price. And now the government is basically just selling, selling the farmers and selling their land and kind of selling their lives because it's their entire livelihood to these huge corporations. So most likely what's going to happen is these farmers that are already in debt, they're gonna have just little pieces of land go even further more into debt. And then these corporations will be allowed to consolidate all of their small farms and kind of privatize and under the corporate, like corporates will be allowed to own almost all of the farmland and all of the farmers. And the main reason why you'll see the word like Kisano, which is Punjabi for farmers. Uh, and the main reason why it's a lot of, it's really huge in Punjab, the Northern region in India is because agriculture is the main business of that region of India. So that's why it's constantly being like the Punjab protest or, you know, the Sikhs or Sikhs are the ones that are protesting is because they, you know, they, they're involved the most in farming. So it's going to naturally you know, affect them the most, but it is affecting farmers of all different states. That's why there's millions and millions of people right now in India protesting. I think it's like they said, it was like 2.7% or 3 point something percent of the entire world's population is technically like on strike right now in a protest. That's, you know, just listening to that. Uh, uh, and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm thankful for you giving that insight because, you know, you hear different things on, on social media and stuff like that. So one of the things that uh, for this topic that I really had to look into is, you know, there's so many people saying these bills are bad, bad, bad. So I'm like, what is the people that are supporting them? What are they saying? And one of the things they're saying is that, like Sagar mentioned, is that agriculture farming in India for the last, I think, 30, 40, 50 years has been a very uh, a tough field. And just in the last, I think it was what, like 10 years, there's like 16,000 suicides or something. So even before these bills were passed, this is a very uh, strenuous field to get into. So something that the opposition is saying is that, look, this field is bad anyway. They're struggling anyway. They have debt anyway. They have suicide anyway. So let's allow them to sell this at their own price. So to someone that, you know, it might ring a bell like, wow, that makes sense. You know, something's failing. Let's fix it. So that's the first thing that they're saying. But where I had to look in and say, you know, but how logical is this specific bill? That's where I come in and say, I admit to these people, the people that are supporting this, I admit that agriculture in India is not the cleanest. It's not the fairest. But instead of these laws, my suggestion is don't sign these laws. 
But you can't just leave it at that. You have to actually fix the problem. They're thinking that this bill is going to fix that problem. And then a lot of times on social media, you know, the, the message I'm seeing is that it's these bills. These bills are going to cause X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z is already happening. So I think that as, as, as a nation, like in America, we have unions and things like that. They don't have that there. So before even signing these bills, I think that it would be smart to actually ask the farmers what they need, which the government isn't doing. Um, I, 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 I like that they're at least trying to help or in their way trying to help, but I don't think that these bills and laws specifically are going to help. Um, the only thing that they're going to do is, is hurt the, the 90% of farmers. And uh, they, change has to happen regardless. That's something that I stand for. I'm not going to sit here and say it's perfect. Change has to happen. But uh, the right kind of change. This is just going to hurt our farmers. And, you know, Anthony, you know, we're from Punjab. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's where, you know, uh, uh, our parents are from. So and grandparents. So it's 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 a it's a something that really needs. Uh, we need to dig the roots up and fix those problems instead of just, you know, saying X, Y, Z is going to help because it's not. So I said, you know, maybe I can hear Anthony's take on this now. So what I think, from what it sounds like to me, like as an outsider, like obviously I don't have heritage back in back in India and I don't have any experience or know like a lot about it. But what it seems like to me is that, tell me if I'm wrong, is that they're trying to like like make it a like corporation based, like all these farms and try, the government's trying to take as much advantage of it as possible. And it's like kind of like a, a sneaky way of trying to take advantage of the people and let private corporations take over the power that a lot of people have. Cause like you always hear here that like the corporations run all these um, like this country, like it's all, you don't realize how many corporations actually are at the head of like these smaller companies. And it seems like something similar might be happening over there where they're trying to make everything corporate and have like a similar structure where there's less power to the people and more to the government and to these corporations and privatize these type of things. Is that like a fair assessment you'd say? Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a, as they would say, kind of an unintended consequence of these bills. Uh, so out loud, the supporters of these bills and the Modi government, the party that's in power, will never, of course, kind of admit to that. They're, they always are very vocal saying it's very pro-farmer and saying how it's going to help them. But yeah, I mean, me having no no really economics background or anything like that, even I can, you know, anyone can kind of see. The two this, together. <laughs> yeah, this is the reason why, like, in the U.S., like, Andrew Carnegie, John D. Rockefeller were able to get so big is because originally there were no, you know, these huge unions, there were no trust laws, monopoly laws. So it allowed, it, the government was basically saying, like, Sure, employees who are already, you know, riddled with debt and in poverty, you guys can negotiate your own thing with these, the heads of these corporations worth billions of dollars. And of course, they have no power. You know, Rockefeller would say, you know, either you listen to me, you take whatever wage I'm going to pay you, or you get out. There's plenty of starving people that I can fill my factories with. Like, that's not a problem. So then the government, you know, had to step in and make these protections. So it's kind of, I feel, a similar thing happening in India where it's 
the government is saying like, hey, you get to negotiate your own thing. We're not going to limit how much profit you can make off of your crops, but you have to look at if they're already in debt, they're already dying. How much leverage do they have when they sit at that table with these huge corporations? It, that, it reminds me of like when I hear like a lot of times I get these like job offerings on like you see on like LinkedIn where it's like your your salary can be limitless and it's those jobs that are all commission. It's like, oh, it sounds so great. I can make as much as I want. I can negotiate my own salary. I can make what I can make. But in reality, it's kind of just screwing you over, but it's saying it in a nice way. My question is, is that what's like the main type of agriculture that is like, like used at these farms? Like what is like some of the main, I guess, like agriculture, I, I can't think of the word, but like, what is the main export of India? Like what is the main things that they use at these farms? I think Rona can speak more to that. One thing I know, I could, I could, I could, I could pull it up. I was looking at that before Kiwi my bark. Um, I, I saw I read this really nice thing as to why uh why something like this uh affects us um a lot of the things that we have here in America are actually from there uh example turmeric uh small example we have a lot of it in the house you have a lot of it Anthony when you go to uh the restaurants uh I think majority of that right comes from India uh mm-hmm. in trade um and I think uh, another thing that uh, you touched on import-export, another issue that that brings up is that uh, one of the, I was talking to Sagar about this yesterday, one of the common principles of uh, economics, I believe it's common, is that free market drives down price. Um, quality increases, but price decreases. You know, when we have a free market, we used to learn about this, Anthony, when they talked about like communism and stuff like that. Um, so one thing I know that the farmers are scared of is not just how much will they be able to produce and export, but also if big companies come into India and buy these farms, they're also going to be able to import from other countries and drive down price. So essentially, the people that get there, the people that lose land, lose land, the, you know, big, the big ballers that take land, take it, but it's going to drive down the prices of their own crop. So the government is saying, no, if you grow tomatoes, you can sell them for more expensive than we give it. But if they privatize the market and it's completely free, then it's just going to drive down price. You get what I mean? So regardless of even if they're growing a lot, which they are, doing this is just going to drive the prices down. So they're going to end up getting less than what they're you know, getting from the government, which is another point that they're saying, you're going to leave us with more debt and more suicides because the field is just not, it's just not producing. And yesterday I spoke to someone who was touching on uh, their pesticide rules as well. I believe in the last 20 years or something, India has increased the policy for each farm. So farms have to use more pesticide uh, and things like that. And also output was decreasing with this. So it was just making their life harder and harder for the last 30 to 40 years more rules came in, more laws came in, hurting the farmers. And uh, the thing about India is they, they keep bringing this example up. If someone buys a tomato, right? You grow a tomato, you sell a tomato. In India, there's a lot more middlemen. So I sell the tomato to Anthony for five, right? And then Anthony's going selling it to someone else for 20 or 30. And then by the time it's actually hitting me, I'm buying it for like 300 rupees. You get it? So the, the, that rate isn't fair to the farmers and 
the people that are the middlemen in this in this case are the ones that are eating. The farmers are the ones that are getting getting hurt, you know. So uh you you know, we need to look at all of that and and take that into consideration. Uh but change on both ends has to happen. You know, the it's not working anyway. So uh this is just gonna make it worse, which is why I said uh I need to have a chat about this, like everyone else's, you know. Yeah, what's the what's the what's like the protest end goal here? Is it just to revert back to the old system, or is it like an actual change, like you're saying, or is it like one of those things? Like I know we saw in Hong Kong, like last year, there was a lot of protests in regards to like freedoms and stuff. And I know India definitely is a more democratic nation compared to China, but like, what are these end goals? I feel like a lot of times it gains a lot of traction, and then after a while, it just fizzles out. Like we even saw it here. We saw like a few months a lot of protests around the country, and I feel like now it's just an afterthought where people are just like, yeah, like it's done. Like it, there's, there's, it seems like a lot of times these things just peak very high and then when it's new, it grabs a headline. And then after that, it just kind of levels out. So what would be an ideal situation for these farmers at the end of this? What, what's, what is that? What are they looking for? I think definitely just repealing, repealing these bills that have been passed is what it initially began as. Um, and that's what, if you watch, if you see videos and stuff, that's what they're most vocal about. Yeah, I know there's very viral videos where they're kind of saying like, if Modi repeals this bill, like we'll clear the streets in two hours, like straight up, that's all he has to do instead of all these complaints and sending all this police and these you know military forces to try and break, to take us off the streets. They were like, we'll be off in, in two, three hours, we'll be on our way back home off the streets if the laws get repealed. I think now that it's gained more traction, it's gained the attention of a lot more people that can now see, hold on, even if these bills get repealed, as Ronick was saying, like situation still wasn't, wasn't that hot even before that. So we need to not only repeal the bills, but we need to get, like, get some people on the table to discuss how to actually fix it. So I think as far as the farmers are concerned and the initial concerns were definitely, and the strongest thing is to just repeal these bills because they think this is going to make it from bad to we're done, like completely done. Our lives are done. Our kids' lives are done. Our families are like finished. And I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, already you look at the suicide rates and it's insane. If these laws pass and these farmers are kind of directly saying like, if this law goes into effect, um, maybe I'm fine for one year or next year, that's it, I'm done. And they're just straight up saying like, I won't be able to live and I won't be able to support my family if this bill gets passed. So they're very directly saying that. So the immediate concern is definitely to just get these bills you know, repealed and taken back. So I have a quick question. So like, I know like how we, bills work here, it gets brought up in the Senate, House of Representatives, stuff like that. So in India, does it go straight to a national level or is there like, you said there's like territories and stuff like that. So how does this bill come up and how does this bill like get to the floor where it's getting ready to be put into place? Like what leads it up there? Uh, I can't speak too much on the details about it, but like similar to the US, this is, um, also, like these are all states. Punjab is a state. Maharashtra is a state. Gujarat is a state. Um, but this is also this is a like federal, federally passing bill. So then it's the federal like Congress and Prime Minister and all that are kind of like both 
putting this bill forward and passing it. I, I, uh, I like that he hit on that because, uh, it's not, it wasn't hot, but another thing that a lot of the farmers are saying, um, is that it's not even that the government is saying this is for us, but not just repeal these bills, but also actually listen to us, you know, um, the, the, the organization in charge of this is saying that this is for you guys and we're listening to you guys. But I mean, if there's 2.5 million people on the streets and uh, maybe even more than that, something isn't adding up, you know? And uh, it's just Modi's really trying to sell Punjab out here. And, you know, it's, it's not right. Uh, this decision, regardless of what is going to define the geopolitical environment of southeast asia and it's gonna just spread you know it's this this is not is not good and it's not gonna help um and it's 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 surprising that this is this is really going on on this level and you know some i don't know how i don't know how you know and how can you justify it with like you know they'll be able to sell it at what they want i, I just don't get it but I'm glad that we spoke about it and shed some light on it. I hope some of our listeners will be able to uh, take from it and in any way they can at least spread the word. You know, I'm not one of those cancel culture guys, you know, where you got to you have to post and you have to. No, no, no. I just for your own knowledge, you got to know this stuff. Um, but to to switch up the and thank you to Saga for that. He He makes things easier. Even my whole life, if I needed something to be dumbed down. He would learn it and then teach it to me. <laughs> but uh, I got a quick question. What's up? Well, I saw something else in India that happened. There's only 200 to 300 people got sick out of nowhere and they don't know what the hell it is. And they tested them all for COVID and they didn't know what it was and it wasn't COVID. And they said it's like a mysterious like disease. And I was like, bro, I've seen this story before. Like it's literally like last year. I was wondering if you guys saw that too. No, I haven't. I, I, have not seen I didn't hear about that, Demar. <laughs> Bro, it was all over the news. Like, it was on Twitter and stuff. It was on, like, NBC. I saw it. Like, they said they don't know what the heck the sickness is. So, like, it's mad random. Like, they all tested negative for COVID. They did, like, weeks of tests. Nothing. I was wondering if you guys heard about that. I can send you a link right now. Damn, man. To, to switch topics, though. Um, Doing the conspiracy theories, man. Modi's way to get everyone off the streets. My man has a phone call during the podcast. No, 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 no. It was an alarm. What a boss, man. That, that's 7 o'clock alarm. Um, so to switch topics, I, I, you guys know me. I like to talk about progress and growth and stuff like that and discipline. Um, so uh, one thing I want to talk about is uh, Sagar, my older brother, is in med school right now. Um, he's a go-getter. He's a hustler. And uh, he's doing well right now. Uh, so I wanted to talk to him. I have a lot of friends that are interested in going to med school. So I wanted to talk to him about tips that he has, not just for med school, but for studying and uh, for progressing and for, for just getting better every day. What's, what's your routine since it's so busy? And give us some tips. Let me, let me know what your secret recipe is, your Mac sauce. My Mac sauce. Uh, I've definitely struggled a lot. Um, definitely not a natural my personality is not one that's very go-getter very intense very goal-oriented and shooting for it very driven i'm pretty laid back laid back person and very you know 
however however it comes i just take it take it day by day uh which is a little bit difficult now when you go to you know medical school and going from my high school which was not a very good school to then transitioning to like northwestern definitely a huge learning curve definitely a lot of imposter syndrome uh a lot of stuff to deal with on that front as far as you know self confidence and all but so i think that was the very first thing i had to learn um very very first thing i had to learn was to you know trust that you're you're in the right place and that you deserve to be there that's the very uh, especially if you go to a place like northwestern they you know has a big name and you're surrounded by people that casually are just like yeah i went to harvard i went to stanford i went to yale and it's just another day uh and when you feel like oh, i don't i don't deserve to sit at the same table as them and you're already destroyed if you don't have that self confidence if you don't feel like you know what i deserve to be here maybe i don't know why right now but whatever i'm here there must be a reason if you don't have that confidence then you just start to question and doubt every little step every little instance throughout the day and don't really get anything done but my my two biggest things i think that have helped me find success is in high school and before i always used to just tell everyone do your best then don't stress about the rest and that was it so take an exam after the exam is done i would put my pencil down and that was it i wouldn't talk about the exam wouldn't worry about it so i'm like i can't change my answers now i can't change if it takes a week to get the results back why spend that week you know freaking out and it helps you live without any regrets but to do that you have to put your best foot forward you have to give your 100% give yourself no reason to walk out of an exam room and say i should have done this or i could have done this then even if you fail even if you get a c a b or if you pass and do really well either way it doesn't matter as long as you've you know put your best foot forward and the thing that i've learned more recently and from ronak and gold cheddar as he calls it is to do a little bit each and every day even if it's extremely small even if you set a goal like i want to watch two lectures a day or study for 4 hours a day if on each day you at least spend you know even some days i only study for 10 minutes that's it and i don't get my 2 4 hours in that i you know plan for but it's better than zero and it makes a huge difference in, as far as the psychology and motivation and i think keeping momentum is the big thing i think people deal struggle with inertia a lot they get stuck and they have trouble getting going so once you do get going got to keep that momentum and you can do that by just doing a little bit each and every day even if it's just reading one page out of a textbook i think a lot like a lot of times like i try to do the same kind of thing where like i try to see like things i can accomplish in a day and if i can't do it that day i'll push like i'll do it the next day but i'll always get a couple things done a day so like i feel productive and i feel like i'm not like letting myself down or like not letting other people down because it's nice to like complete things and like you said keep the momentum going so i like that kind of mindset in life to always do a little bit every single day cuz that's all we can do honestly you can't stress yourself out about something 3 years from now or an exam the next month or like a test in a few weeks you know what i'm saying yeah no most definitely big uh, big two steps right there for all my friends that are wanting to go back to school and uh 
or just, you know, stuck in life, big two steps, take it, take it little by little and uh, appreciate yourself, you know, and, and build on to that. And just to, just to finalize this, uh, some rapid fire questions we'll have for the guest of honor, uh, Sagar Batish. One of them he already answered, uh, deep dish or, you know, New York. And he said, New York, uh, Anthony, you're, you're a rapid fire. What was your favorite basketball team? Is it the Bulls? Uh, I don't really have a favorite team. I have favorite players. But Derek Rose? No, no, no. Right now, I think LeBron James, but greatest of all time, Shaquille O'Neal. That's where you got it from. That's where you got it from. You always said, he always says Shaq is top like two. I'm like, bro. I said Shaq is top five all time. Shaq is top one all time, my guy. <laughs> top one. That's um, – Favorite football team? This kid, this kid's big on football now. <laughs> New York Giants, baby, all day, every day, always. New York Giants, huge New York Giants fan. How about that win in Seattle this week? That I'm surprised defense, they won. The defense looks so good. Don't even need there, Leonard Williams. You guys, are, I'm a Jets fan. You guys robbed us, of Leonard Williams, for a third round <laughs> pick. He's eight and a half sacks. I don't know if we robbed you or if the Jets just started selling themselves. Just like <laughs> it's both, honestly. I thought we robbed you guys at first because he had like 0.5 sacks like two years in a row. I was like, bro, he's so bad. How do we get a third round pick? And you guys gave him 16 million. I was like, bro, like we, we robbed them. And then this year he has a career year. I'm like, it's, it's just us. Like when once you leave the Jets, you're nice. I'm convinced once Sam Darnold leaves next year, if we take Trevor Lawrence, he's going to go to like the Broncos and become like an all-pro quarterback. I'm calling it. I know. It's tough, Spaghetti man. or fettuccine? Spaghetti. Always. Come on. Ronak or Tim? Tim. That's too difficult, man. It's an That's investment, Tim. They both are, you know, they both give you – they both give you a little bit different. So sometimes, some nights, some nights you're feeling that swagalati. <laughs> some nights you need that Tim, you know, you need that, you need someone to carry you, carry you over their shoulder. And some <laughs> nights you just need someone to, you know, give you pungi and roast Not, you. <laughs> nothing, nothing beats a Ronak and Tim fight. If, I don't know if you ever witnessed one, but Ronak Tim battles are the best ones in the world. They just start smacking each other and calling each other fat. <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> Bro, it's a humbling experience. He gets humbled, I get humbled. That's how it works, you know? It really is. Sagar got those snaps once of us uh, when we were playing, uh, when we were rolling for who gets a stomach slap. Oh, my God. Tim was losing them back to back. I was <laughs> sending him to Sagar, bro. We all, got, we all got nice hits on Tim. Um, it, nothing's funnier than hitting Tim, bro. He just the way he reacts to things and how excited he gets if he wins. I like to just bring right back to him, humble him with that. Because sometimes he gets too confident. His cheeks always bro. turn red, so it always looks like he's gonna cry. And it's like, oh, come on, Tim, get over here. He's like a puppy. <laughs> I know. That's funny. Uh, Sagar, uh, uh, I know you're in the playoffs. Uh, you have a bye, right? I had the bye, yeah, but now it's playing? the finals this week. You're in the finals? Why is it so early? Uh, just because of COVID and stuff. You want to play uh, it smart. The person who leads it, Ravi, our big brother, he he was like, you know, because of COVID, we'll all chip in only $20 instead of 50 and we'll keep it a shorter season just because, you know, it's going to be a weird, wacky season. And at the very start, we didn't even know if it was going to be a full season. Who was on your team? Oh, you know, I got Josh Allen. He was the sleeper. Oh, I really... Tough. 
yeah. I really invested in big time. And then I wanted Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, but they went early, thankfully. You're lucky, bro. You dodged them. I dodged them too. I had a sixth pick. I dodged them. I had sixth pick as well, man. I went with Dalvin Cook for that first pick. Yo, Dalvin Cook. I got a I have a bye week this week too. I have Dalvin Cook as well, so I'm hyped. And Devontae Adams. Those two, oh, Jesus. along with Josh Allen, have just been. What was your record? I think my record was like seven and four or something. It wasn't record. My points for though, my, my team scored a lot. It was just random weeks I lost, but still got that by. Dogs up. Dogs up, to- This is going to be a quick episode. Uh, so I just wanted to say thank you, Saga, for hopping on. We're going to do an in-person interview in December coming up. So thank you. Thank oh, you I so much wait, for coming dude. on. We got to meet you next time. Next time you come, or we'll see what happens. We'll, we got to meet up. And hopefully, it's more, come, come through to Chicago, dude. I'll I'm give down. you. He doesn't invite me. That's what I always say. <laughs> oh, it's an open house for you, man. For swag, <laughs> swag, and all his homies, dude. It's an open house. Well, we'll shoot the podcast at the crib. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> all right, December, my guy. It is December now, but later December. Most Here. definitely. I hope to see you all. See you too, Dimar, in person and in Chicago on the lake. Thank you. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully I get the invite this time. Maybe Pierre. <laughs> all right, my guy. Take it easy. Thanks for having me, guys. Keep it up.